Hi, I'm Arlen Hamilton, and you're listening to Arlen's Academy, the podcast that teaches everything you need to know about launching a successful business or working at one, all in one place. Arlen's Academy is brought to you completely free by HireRunner.co. HireRunner is my new recruiting company that connects outstanding operations talent with inclusive startups. If you're looking for talent or you want to apply to be a runner, visit HireRunner.co. Remember, all of the material you're about to hear is accessible online at arlensacademy.com. If you're enjoying what you're learning and want to dig even deeper and learn more, visit the site now. Be sure to tell your friends. Welcome to this quick primer on how to use the pro forma financial model. So again, this is a simple model that is ultimately trying to project some of the variables in your business so that you have a summary, both of a cash flow statement and how your business is going to grow over the next three years. So in this model, any place where you see yellow is where you want to enter data and everything else will just calculate out. One of the things that you want to think about, again, you can build this as complex or as relatively simple as you would like. In this particular model, I'm just having you enter both your fixed expenses and your variable expenses. It's not a true um, balance sheet view, if you will. These are just some examples and some placeholders. You might have some different fixed expenses. You might have different variable expenses. You can just always insert a row. If you have some additional ones, you can change the names, etc. Then once you get over to this piece of the model, this is your full cash basis model. You're going to enter your products. All of these are in here as just three products and the drivers associated with them. If you have more than three products, you can just copy a section, insert some new rows, and then put your products. Obviously, you want to name those as well. This is based on unit assumptions. So in the beginning, what you're going to do is you're going to say whatever your price Per unit is, you're going to make an assumption on the growth rate in terms of how many additional units you're going to sell month over month. In your initial period, you'll set what the month one sales are going to be, and then all of these percentages will gross up those numbers. You're also going to set your cost of goods sold per unit. So if you have a physical product, you probably have a good sense for, you know, I sell it for $55, but it takes me $45 to make it. Those numbers, I'm sure, are wildly different, but these are just placeholders, and then your actual margins will be calculated. Over time, you will see the assumptions in terms of your growth, as well as how that plays out, the multiples for your revenue, and you'll do that for each product. Once you get down here, you'll see that you have an ex expense assumption. One of them is on your fixed expenses and how much you expect those to grow year over year, and then also variable, how much you expect those to grow year over year. There is a general corporate tax rate assumption, and there's also a placeholder for what your initial investment in month zero is. Month zero can be any month that you want it to be. It just happens to be the first or actually the month before the first sales are being made in your model. And then you'll scroll down here. You'll see that all of this data up here, plus your um, assumptions on the expense tab, are flowing into a pro forma income statement. Again, 
pretty straightforward and simplified. However, it gives you a good snapshot, gives you your margins. It also gives you a pro forma cash flow statement. You'll see that this is the place where ultimately you're going to set your cash reserve. And if you are seeking financing, you'll get an assumption for what that should look like. And then finally, after you finish the pro forma cash flow statement at the bottom of this page, you'll be able to go to your three-year summary and have a quick snapshot of what your projections going forward look like. Welcome to module three. Module three is all about managing levers for liquidity, profitability, and growth. So again, we are grounding ourselves in our pyramid. We've looked at the sources, we've looked at the uses, and now one of the most powerful things that we can do to have the right balance in our liquidity, profitability, and growth is to manage our levers. So Peter Drucker, he was a consultant. He was known as the father of modern management. He was basically arguably the original management consultant, presided over many turnaround stories. And he said that entrepreneurs believe that profit is what matters most in a new enterprise, but profit is secondary. Cash flow matters most. That definitely drives home the point that I've been making. And now we are going to dig into what levers are. So basically what levers are, they are all of the changes in spending that you can take to improve your results, right? You are going to say, I have my handle on my sources. I have my handle on my uses. And now I am going to go take actions that change the picture of my results from a cash flow standpoint. One of the most powerful levers that you have at your disposal is time. Time is something that can honestly make or break businesses. So you always want to have the best possible picture from the standpoint of, can I collect my money before I need to spend my money? And so if you are in a situation where are you, your terms are extended in terms of your clients paying you, yet you have to pay your vendors sooner, that is a problem. And you always want to look at how do I improve, improve what's called my cash conversion cycle? And that is, you know, how many days of sales do I have outstanding? How many days of inventory do I have? And then how many days of payable? So I want to make sure that I have a very clean formula there. And if I am clean, I will be positive on that formula and I will have my cash before I have to pay it out. And so timing around, you know, getting your pay sooner, even if you sometimes have to sacrifice a couple of percentage points, there are times when you need to do that. You might need to negotiate terms that are 15 days rather than 30. Obviously, when you're a small and, and emerging business, you want to make sure that you are never having terms that are longer than really 45 days. You don't want to get to the 60-day mark in terms of collections. You don't ever want to get beyond 60 days. Some large partners might want to try to push you to 90 days, and you definitely want to put yourself into a place where you get to the second lever, which is negotiation, and you really negotiate to get that cash sooner. You can also think about negotiations from the standpoint of partnerships. So partnerships can be really powerful because they can allow you to kind of spread the burden of both things like marketing costs, sales costs, the life of a contract, the depth of a contract. So maybe you can provide a service, but 
your partners can provide additional add-on services, which lets you all look like a one-stop shop and allows you to negotiate for larger engagements. Whatever that picture looks like, really thinking about timing as one of the most powerful levers in your business, and along with the timing is going to be negotiation. You also want to think about allocations. This is where you're saying, okay, I now have a really good handle on my uses internally and how those uses play out over time. Now it might be time to move some budget around. Can I move budgets in some of my expenses to scale some of my primary revenue drivers? So maybe if I move a dollar from one expense category to another, that now means that for every dollar I put into marketing, a multiple of five out of it in terms of sale instead of a multiple of three. Whatever that looks like, now you have the ability to say, what do I do with that cash once it's inside my business and how can I allocate it better? So when we think about our critical questions, obviously we want to look at our levers in the same way that we looked at our sources and uses. We want to say, from a marketing and sales standpoint, you know, what are those competitor initiatives that they are gaining traction on? What similar actions can you test out in your own efforts? And again, I always say test because you don't want to chase what a competitor is doing. You don't know what the, the uses and the sources look like within their business. And so you always want to ask yourself, can I take a small portion of money, invest it in something that looks like they're gaining traction and look at the data, and then make my own decisions. You also want to say to yourself, okay, which of my marketing efforts, again, are not working and can be scrapped? When you look at engagements like that, you always want to try to be very creative, again, back to the negotiations of what do your termination clauses look like? How soon can you cancel an agreement? Instead of signing something for 12 months, can you do it with three months and a month-to-month option? Whatever that looks like, always try to figure out what leverage you can pull from a timing, allocation, and negotiation standpoint so that you're not locked into agreements that are not delivering you the ROI that you want. From an operations and logistics standpoint, you want to think about, okay, did I have some internal initiatives that are an opportunity for our team to do better on delivering results? So is there an additional budget allocation that would allow them to accelerate, maybe move faster on an initiative, maybe input some new equipment, maybe open up some different supply chains, whatever that looks like. Those are times when allocations and changes in allocations can be really powerful. You always also want to be thinking about opportunity costs. So do I have a proposed initiative versus an existing one, maybe the proposal has some uncertainty and maybe you're at a time in your business where uncertainty is not something that you want to take on. Well, then how do you figure out, can I change the payback period on that? Can I put more into my existing initiatives in the short term and defer some some future initiatives? Whatever that may look like, look at those as opportunities to manage your levers to improve your cash flow position. And then from a financial plan and projection standpoint, You might be looking at those innovation projects and saying, okay, if I shift those out, maybe that was supposed to happen in month one or month two. What does that look like when I shift it out to month six? Does that give us some some breathing room? Does that improve our runway so that we then have a little bit more cash on hand as we enter a fundraising cycle? Those are some of the decisions that you can make once you have a solid handle on your sources a really good financial model, and then you can sit down with all of the critical questions and really say, 
what levers can we pull to improve this picture? You know, at some point you might say to yourself, all right, I need an alternate form of financing and I need to kind of put that into the model, you know, in a couple of periods, or maybe I need to put it in today. Whatever that looks like, that's when you have that full picture. You can really start to look at the drivers in your model and really play out scenarios now based on how you pull the levers and what the impact of those will be. And so, as I mentioned, all of these questions for all of the sources, uses, and levers are available to you in that one download. Definitely make sure that you put that on your system. Maybe you want to print it out, even sit down with your team, sit down with your advisors, really talk through those. It's the kind of thing that you may not have every answer the first time you sit down. So you may need to have a couple of meetings. You may need to plan out a few answer some of the questions, go off and get some data points, come back to the table, definitely chart that out. I recommend that you go through those at least quarterly, but you always have them at your disposal. So definitely keep those handy and use those. This is the end of module three. In module four, we will tie all of this together and talk about cash flow management in practice. Welcome to module four. Module four is all about cash flow management in practice. So again, regrounding in our pyramid, this is how you put it all together and really make cash flow management a practice that is ingrained in the culture of your company. So I want to share with you some recommendations. The first recommendation is that you maintain a rolling three to five year projection. All large companies do this. You want to regularly update the projections with any actual results that are a validation of what you had in your model. You'll need to refresh assumptions as you change your product lines, as you go into different markets. You'll always have some data in your model that is relatively solid, and you'll always have some that is going to be assumptions, but you constantly want to be updating that model. So the worst thing that you could do is to take that pro forma, you know, create your model, get whatever investment you want, and then stop and never refresh it. You definitely want to keep a rolling model at your disposal at least three years. Sometimes when you're a new business, five feels like too much, but at least three years. The other thing that I recommend is that you evaluate your cash flow data frequently. So you're always going to have to do your financial statements for whatever reporting and for taxes. However, I really recommend that you do some sort of cash flow analysis at least monthly. Monthly is good, but weekly is better. And if, especially if you start to see some anomalies or you start to see your actual data diverging from your model, definitely sit down and look at that because the more you know about your cash position, the better decision making you will have. You're always going to have to make decisions in your business and you're fear making them based on assumptions in your mind or the minds of your team. Without that underlying data, you can get yourself into a tricky position. And so what I recommend is that you actually at some regular interval, not only are you looking at your, your cash flow data, you're doing a periodic 14-day cash flow analysis. And that is just down and dirty, get your data out, use this template that I'm about to share with you and really sit down and focus on what the inflows and outflows for your business look like. So what you're going to do is you're going to take this or something like it and you're going to say, 
okay, for a 14-day period, you'll set the start date. You'll say, what was the date? What was the inflow and that description? What product were we selling? What revenue came in for it? Was it something that was recurring in terms of, is it a monthly recurring revenue? Is it periodic recurring revenue, et cetera? Did I have any kind of upsell with it? As I looked at my upsells, maybe those are going to be some sort of opportunities that I have. When I think about my revenue, is that really from repeat business or is that from new business? And if it's from new business, does that mean that there's some sort of investment I've made in marketing that is somehow playing out now? All of those are things that you need to consider. Obviously, you can put some notes next to it, but I'm not kidding. If you have a, if you have a transactional business that is highly transactional, put in all the lines you need to here, insert lines, because you really want to get a full picture day by day for two weeks. So in this, you can see that I put just three lines for each one. You may need more for those inflows. Similarly, on the outflows, you want to look at, okay, what is happening? What happened on the date? What was the description? Who is it paid to? Is that amount a recurring amount? Is it fixed? Is it variable? And then this is the one where people often get a little bit emotional. But again, you want to sit down with your team, with your advisor, whoever is giving you input. And you want to really ask yourself why that expense is necessary. Because once you figure out why it's necessary, that gives you the data you need to make some decisions around it. If you can't find a legitimate reason why it's necessary, then that might be a clue that is not truly needed. But this is going to be a critical, critical field that you don't want to skip over. You want to put the level of detail there that is necessary for you to then go off and make decisions. It might be that you as the decision maker are going to have your team fill in this category. And then later when you're looking at the analysis, you might be deciding that yes, it truly is necessary or no, it is not. This is something that you definitely want to look at. And then once you've got all of your data points in there, then you can start to build summaries. If you know how to build the pivot table, you can kind of figure out that, hey, how much of my inflows in a two-week period were recurring? That is helpful because that gives you an idea of, okay, I'm likely to have some 80-20 shaking out there where most of my revenue is you know, repeat revenue coming from maybe 20% of my customer base. Okay, what other opportunities exist there? From an inflow standpoint, same thing. You know, maybe I've got, I'm sorry, from, from inflow and outflow standpoint, I might have some other items where, okay, I'm not doing well on my upsells. Is it that I've got a landing page that's not converting? Am I not even trying to make upsells? And that's the problem. Whatever that looks like, you're going to see some of these trends take place once you fill this data out and start to build summaries off of it. So this is how you actually implement cash flow management in practice. This is how cash flow really does become queen in your business because with this information at your disposal, you can make very powerful decisions. You can grow the way you need to grow and you can have that balance between liquidity, profitability, and growth. I want to thank you for your attention during this course. I hope that it has been valuable to you and I would love to hear from you. Again, keep in mind that if you feel like you have some additional questions, you want some support, you can always book that profitability breakthrough session with me at meetwithcamille.com. Take care. Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful, you can check out more at arlensacademy.com. And don't forget, this entire show is brought to you completely free by my company, Higher Runner.
To find outstanding talent for your startup, visit HireRunner.co. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.